Um, hey guys, and welcome back to the Black Spirituality Podcast. My name is Jordan Castillo, and today's guest is Rebecca. Can I say your last name? Is that okay? Rebecca Edwards. <laughs> I've known her for like forever. Um, hi, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm extremely tired. I'm so tired. Working a big girl job is like, it's different. <laughs> it's, it's draining. It takes yeah. you <laughs> It does. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm just so tired. Whew. But anyway, we're still going to have a good interview. We're going to have a good time. So today, um, we're going to just be talking about growing up in the church a little bit more. Um, <laughs> your face. <laughs> Ooh, I don't know. Something... Can you hear me? I think we like froze. I think we froze because like okay. today we're going to talk about growing up in the church. That's the last thing I said. And then it froze on your face being like, that was really <laughs> funny to me. <laughs> um, but today we're going to be talking about growing up in the church. Um, I know that you had sent me like a couple bullet points that you wanted to touch on. Yeah. So um, I'm just going to start out how I start out with everyone. Just tell me about your religious background. So I grew up Seventh-day Adventist. Um, on my dad's side, it's like generations in the church. Like my grandpa used to joke he was born in the church because <laughs> his house was like the church in Tobago that everyone went to and worshipped at. Um, so it's like five generations on my dad's side that's yeah. like FDA and super conservative on his dad's side. And my grandma like converted and had that you know moment they talk about where you're like in church taking off your jewelry because you're just like connected to the I shouldn't mock but like you know just like this really dramatic moment and um, then she became SDA and my my grandpa and like their marriage seemed very ordained by God like she um did not want to marry him and then like God was like, no, that's your husband. She, she literally said, because um, my grandpa was like a shorter, dark-skinned man, and she was like, who is this short, dark man you're bringing to me? And God was like, that's your husband. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> um, but they did have a really beautiful marriage and then raised all their kids, SDA. And my dad stayed down that path. And then... Um, met my mom who is the only Adventist on like her side of the family and she oh she really yeah she also had like one of those big like conversion moments like went from being you know just very secular just the way she was raised like her mom is Methodist and her dad did not go to church except for Easter and Christmas and um at some point in college, I'm not really sure exactly when, around when she was met my older sister's dad, her first husband, they both converted to Adventism. Mm. She went like straight LNG white. Like she <laughs> stopped eating like all these things, was only in skirts, like didn't wear makeup anymore. Like her family thought she joined a cult. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Yeah, so she went like full blown. Mm -hmm. And um, and then eventually, you know, stuff happened between her and my older sister's dad and she met my dad, got married and they decided to raise me and my younger sister at Venice, only 
in SDA schools and like made this decision when they were pregnant with me that they were also going to raise us vegetarian. So like just very conservative. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I know that life. Yeah. <laughs> it was like an active decision, you know, like that is how they were going to parent us. Yeah. Yeah. I, ooh. so then um, how did that affect you like growing up in that way because for me personally I didn't realize until I like started making friends with like the neighborhood kids that it was anything different because I grew up in Adventist schools um like I think I went to Adventist daycare like just super just in the church all the time so like how was that for you growing up so I will say um I was born in South Florida like Fort Lauderdale area and I was in I went to a huge church that my grandparents helped start and it was like Caribbean, mostly black Caribbean. Mm -hmm. Um, So I didn't know it was different because I'm going to SDA schools. Like most of my extracurriculars are through the church. I did have neighborhood friends, but it was just like, well, yeah, I just don't play outside on Saturday, but I'm also never home. Like I'm at church all day. (laughs) So it didn't feel like this thing that I was missing out on, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So the only things that felt like I was missing out was Halloween and Easter. So it felt very normal. But then when we moved to Central Florida, it was like culture shock because I was around all these Caucasians. And SDA is very different for them mm-hmm. than Black and even Black Caribbean. And mm-hmm. I was like, wait, you can do these things on the Sabbath? Like this is allowed? So that was very odd. And I think that's when I started questioning things more and rebelling more in that mm-hmm. sense so rebelling in my parents eyes yeah because yeah anyway <laughs> I'm just thinking about how Misha would come over uh and my mom would be like what like let me let me teach you how to get around uh them changing the wi-fi password I'm like mommy you can't do that so like definitely rebelling in your <laughs> in your parents eyes I understand what you mean by that uh no as a like at, at Forest Lake Academy, as a teenager, the joke was, when is Rebecca not grounded? Because like I'd get in trouble for having acrylics. I'd get in trouble for um, going to a friend's house too much because it's like, what am I? My dad's like, you have a home. Like, yeah. you know, you're overstaying your welcome. So then I'm grounded because I stayed somewhere too much. Like I was at someone's house too much. Mm-hmm. Even though I live 45 minutes away at a school you're making me go to. So like, I need to hang out with friends to have a social life, mm-hmm. you know, that type of thing. Or just grounded because we didn't practice the piano enough or, you know, just like all these little things where I joke like, yeah, I was in trouble a lot, but I wasn't out doing drugs. Like I wasn't, I wasn't out doing all these things. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Wait, I want to circle back though to you talking about Easter, because even though we didn't have like Easter Sunday, my mom would like make a big deal. Like I would get an Easter dress. We would have an Easter basket. Like, and I was like, girl, we're not Baptist. Like, what are we doing? Like, and she's like, oh no, Jesus rose on this day. So we need to, so like, why were, what did Easter look like for you? So like I said, my Nana was Methodist and we are the only grandkids on that side of the family. So I did get an Easter dress every year for a while. I think till I was like 11. 
and I loved them. They were so girly and poofy and pretty and like just my jam. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was not called an Easter dress. I was like, oh, Nana sent you like a spring dress, like a springtime dress. And I never got an Easter basket. And then one time my mom took us to her job for something, but she didn't realize it was an Easter egg hunt. So we like couldn't tell my dad we did it. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, um, I didn't have Easter like that. And I just couldn't understand why as an Adventist, we didn't celebrate any of the holidays that you got candy. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it never made sense to me. You're right though. You're right. Like in kid brain, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then, so, oh my gosh. And then when I was like, so my introduction to Caucasians was a lot earlier than yours. Um, And I would be over at my friend's house. Oh my gosh, don't let it be a Friday that I'm over at my friend's house. I was, I remember I was watching Supernatural with my friend and uh, my mom was like, hey, I'm on the way. What are you guys doing? I was like, oh, we're, I wasn't dumb enough to tell her that I was watching Supernatural. I wasn't, she wasn't getting that out of me, but uh, I was like, oh, we're just watching TV. Like, you know, whatever. She was like, "Um, it's 5.31 on a Friday. What do you mean you're watching TV? I'm like, ma, the sun isn't even. She was like, nope, be like, be downstairs, be ready for me. And then I remember I had another friend. I was over at her house for, it wasn't for Halloween, but it happened to be on Halloween. And my mom just came and got me. And I was just like, okay, I know that this girl isn't possessed by the devil. Her family isn't possessed by the devil. She's dressing up and she's getting candy. Like, I'm just not understanding why we don't do that. I don't know. And I I think my feelings were hurt for a little bit because I was just like, I'm missing out. That's, it's not fair. Yeah, no, there's a lot of FOMO growing Mm -hmm. up in the church. And um, earlier in my twenties, I was like more committed to the lifestyle I was raised in. But the idea was if I have kids, I don't want it to be no, no, no. I want it to be like, yes, well, this is what we can do on Saturday and let's do this. Like more yeses, you know, like parent, like more that way. But I just feel like growing up, it was just, no, you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't do that. And it just seemed all rules, but then we're learning about Jesus. And he's literally like mocking all these rulers that are just like rules, 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 rules. Yes. I got in trouble for that. (laughs) Oh, no. So like, the difference between me and my sisters is like huge when it comes to that stuff, because if it doesn't make sense to me, I'm not abiding by it. Like I'm, yeah. I'm just not. So I would push back on things like that. And there's, um, there's a really funny story of when I did that. So living here, I started to be allowed to wear pants to church, like after we'd been here for a while. So I think it was like 15. So we had been here for like four years now in central Florida Mm -hmm. and I could wear pants to church, which is like a huge deal. And um, we're packing to go down South to go to the church I grew up in. And my mom's like, don't bring those pants. And I said, why? And she's like, well, I just don't want you to wear pants down there. And I was like, okay. And I packed them and I'll stay at my God sister's house. And so I'm walking into church and my mom sees me and she's like, what do you have on? I was like, pants. And she's like, didn't I tell you not to bring them? I said, you did. But I was just confused. Like, is God different in Miami than Orlando? (laughs) (laughs) Like, I just don't get it. 
And she was like, no, I just like don't want, I was like, so you don't want to be embarrassed in like front of your friends. So it has like nothing to do with God. And she's like, well, fine, you can't wear pants in Orlando. I was like, all right, well, that makes sense then. But so I literally like ended up punishing myself. I just, I couldn't understand why cool to wear to like force like church, but not tabernacle. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, (laughs) you were right. And you made points. I don't think that I had, if I had siblings, I think that I would probably have rebelled a little bit more, but because it was just me and my mom, like I just didn't even have the energy because we would just go back and forth with each other. Like, I feel like, um, so for context, for everyone who doesn't know, uh, I grew up with uh, Rebecca's little sister, Misha. And uh, so that's how we know each other. But I feel like Misha benefited from you rebelling. <laughs> and so that's why she didn't have to be rebellious. And I think that if I had that, or even if I had a, a younger sibling who could benefit from me being rebellious, I would have been a lot more rebellious when I was younger than like now, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Cause now they're like, She's an atheist. She has a hole in her nose and she has two tattoos. <laughs> she strayed from the light of God. I'm like, mm, okay. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, sister, mm-hmm. it, it just creates different dynamics. And I think my sister's personality, she cares the less. Like she'll do it behind her back, but like, you know, yeah. I know, see what I'm doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, and so I just wanted to get into a little bit more about like what you said you wanted to talk about, because I think that that's so interesting. Um, just how like going to Adventist school, um, really shaped your perspective on like jobs, gender roles, sexual orientation, sex, just like all the little bitty things in life. Oh my goodness. Honestly, I don't think I realized how much it shaped my worldview until like maybe the pandemic when you just like have more time to just be still mm-hmm. and um, just, okay. When I was 21, this is gonna sound so crazy for people, but I promise I evolved. But when I was 21, <laughs> like I went to church and we heard this sermon and it was talking about like homosexuality and all this stuff. and. I legit stopped watching shows that had like gay characters, right? Because I was just like, okay, well, I guess I'm like not supposed to be viewing this lifestyle that like I don't approve of to now where I'm like watching Pose and MJ gets wins like an Emmy, what did she win? A Golden Globe, I think, whatever, mm-hmm. an actress in Pose. And I'm like, yes, queen. Like, yes. Like, so, but it was because I just like had no understanding. And also it, it's like, I literally had to educate myself, like watch documentaries and just understand how, um, like that it's not this sin. And I don't know, just remove this hate, I think is what I'm trying to say. And like yeah. this fear. Mm-hmm. because that's all that was like preached and there was just like no understanding no compassion no love and also this doesn't affect me uh, like people can live their lives and I want them to live full and happy beautiful lives with partners and all of that but like mm-hmm. 21 me was like oh my god no no <laughs> <laughs> that's what I try to tell my family members all the time like I had a um I had a conversation with my aunt, actually. I want to say that it was recently, but that was like definitely in June. So not recently at all. Um, But I was explaining uh, 
like the concept of being non-binary to her and she was like but I don't understand because if God made you a girl or if God made you a boy then why not just be that and I'm like auntie first of all it's not your business like it really doesn't affect your life at all and at the end of the day you're a loving person and so I feel like I did educate her and I don't really just feel the need to go into like that right now but um but I was like, at the end of the day, I know that you're a loving person and I know that you're a safe space that people can turn to. And why not be a safe space for everyone? Like, why not, especially if you are, um, if you're preaching this gospel, if you're saying that you subscribe to this religion of love, of, of acceptance, of all these other things, it's not really a lifestyle for you to agree with or not. And I also, when I was younger, I think for me, I was like, why would anybody, people are born gay, people are born trans, people are born like this, because why would anybody choose this? Makes no sense. Because no like, sense. honestly, the ridicule, the, the, besides the ridicule, the literal like uh, threat of danger constantly, I would like, no one would ever choose that. <laughs> I would never wish that on anybody. And I'm, so I'm just like trying to break that down to her. And I'm just like, yeah, it doesn't really make sense, girl. Like you should just show the love of Jesus to people and kind of mind your business on everything else. No, I completely agree. And I think um, I was getting there at 21, but then you're just like listening things. And it was also the person I was dating was just like really trying to change me and mold me into this like super conservative person that I never was. And was I was- he really a Theo major? Huh? Was he a Theo major? He wasn't, he was an engineer, but he was like a guy that would preach a lot. Oh, okay. He just I wasn't. knew it had to be in there somewhere. Yes, no, <laughs> and people kept putting that on me that like Rebecca will be a pastor's wife. And I just don't know where they got that from. Like, I've never <laughs> presented that, I think. And I was just like believing it because he was a good guy, but I had to come to the understanding that he was like not good for me. Mm-hmm. But circling back to the conversation with your aunt, I listened to a podcast that had a look. I don't know if you know who that is. They're like, they're a non-binary person. Mm -hmm. um, and they were saying that you don't have to understand me to not want harm to come to me and to not feel like that I should deserve, you know, to walk down the street and not get spat on and not be in danger and all that stuff. And I completely agreed. Cause um, I will say like coming from the background I come from, that was a bigger learning curve, like non-binary. And even just trying to work into my vernacular, they, them with even people in my life where like you just make mistakes, but I, I don't need to understand someone for them to exist. Yeah, yeah. You know, and just as I don't know, I think that I'm not going to sit here on my high horse and be like, I've never been homophobic. I've never been like, uh, like had these harmful thoughts. Uh, yeah. But I just feel like as a black woman who has grown up in white spaces, it's a lot easier for me to understand being othered, uh, regardless of whether or not I understand that specific experience and having experienced being othered. I'm like, like, I remember, oh my gosh, who was I just talking to this, to about this? I was like in the seventh grade in Mr. Broom's class and Melissa Keller 
was putting on a presentation for, she was like the fundraiser at, at Fleece or whatever. And her daughter like walked up to me. She was like a little girl, like maybe like five, walked up to me and was like, uh, are you a boy or a girl? And I was like, I'm a girl. She was like, why is your hair so short? Only boys have short hair. And I was like, it's because my hair is different than yours. But like, what, how old are you even in seventh grade? Like 12, 13? 12, 13. It's just like, I shouldn't, I shouldn't have had to experience that and then go home and be like, a a five-year-old bullied me. Like, what is that even? (laughs) So just like existing in that space, it's, it's, it's just easy to see how how you don't want other people to feel how you did when you were at a low point and just not wanting harm to come to people. I don't know. Just, yeah, that person was correct in, in their experience. Yeah, no, most definitely. I agree. And it just, that's just like one aspect where I feel like the church kind of didn't give me an opportunity to think on my own. I had to come to terms with that through documentaries and books and just like exposure through TV and mm-hmm. like even just being around people, like just people in my life who've come out and have felt safe to come out to me, which is not something that I would have thought about myself as a teenager. Like I remember like a horrible thing I did in high school with someone that like I suspect, suspected was gay and like it makes me cringe now, but it's just the way you were, you know, yeah, and all that stuff. So, and then it just, it affects you too. Cause even when I think about my sexual experiences as a teenager, like recently, like a lot of trauma has come back because I'm like, I wasn't educated. I had no idea like what continuing consent meant because it was just, no, like this isn't supposed to happen mm-hmm. until you say I do. Mm-hmm. And even then, what is between like kissing and honestly, the only intercourse they talk about is like penetration. So, yeah. like, so what's you know? between that? And then, it, are you going to hell for engaging in those things? Like, even oh my gosh, now you're giving me flashbacks <laughs> because even like ugh, I thought I was going to hell for like kissing my friends that weren't my boyfriend I was like I and I knew that we like didn't want to date each other but I mean you're like 17 you want to make out with somebody I'm like I'm going to hell for this like I used to have my body count was like a list of the boys that I had kissed and when I was like I was like okay like I'm I'm getting up there. It's like three boys. I don't really know. Like this is a high body count. Like I was stressed because just growing up in that environment, it's like, yeah, there's no room for, for gray areas, I guess. It's just very black and white. It's, it's not even the gray part. It's the like conversation because, um, it just like didn't happen. And then when you call your parents out on it or your guardians or whoever's like raising you, there's no accountability. And they're like, what do you mean? Like, why do you need to know? Like, I remember at one point my parents thought I was having sex and I wasn't. Um, it was because they went through my phone. And um, so then I just got, I don't know. I think I got indignant because I was being like accused of something that I wasn't doing. Mm-hmm. 
And I said, you know, we also like never talked about anything. And my dad literally said to me, like, if someone tells you to jump off a bridge, do I need to have like a conversation with you to tell you like, that's not a smart and safe decision? I was like, what? How is this the same? <laughs> like, what? And it's not, but that's the, uh, I don't know. But that was like the mindset, you know? Mm-hmm. And then being an older sister, I was like terrified that Misha would have all the same experiences as me. So I like gave her this huge sex talk before you guys started FLA. Because I, I remember like, because she gave it to me. No! Like almost everything that everything that she would you would tell her about like high school and stuff she would like summarize it and tell us and be like well Rebecca said this and Rebecca said that and this is how and I'm like yeah absolutely that's the law (laughs) that is hilarious I never knew that no and she was sitting there like this is the worst like just so uncomfortable and I didn't care because I couldn't put it into words then but now I know what it was like I felt like I didn't have power over like my body and yes and no and I wanted her to have as much power and autonomy as she could like yeah. going into high school and that was the only way I knew how to do it like here's what to expect mm-hmm. you know yeah because it's important I don't I don't know if this was your experience but uh for me uh being like I'm not going to say that I'm dark skinned. I really like to act like I'm Lupita out here, but I'm just not that girl, unfortunately. Um, But being just darker skinned at FLA, I felt like I didn't really have any autonomy over my body, over, over the, the relationships that I was engaging in. If someone wanted to date me or to talk to me or to kiss me in the backseat of their car, I'm like, well, no one else is checking for me. So like, I just, okay. Like whether I wanted to do it or not, it was the, it was the only, I don't know. It was the only little bit of attention that I got. And then because I didn't have those talks about like, okay, no, but you can say no, like you don't have to like someone just because they like you, or you don't have to do something with someone just because they want to do something with you. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm probably going to have to be in therapy for those experiences (laughs) later on. Not to say that they were like, uh, traumatic or anything but it's just like I just didn't know any better and now as an adult it's like a lot of stuff that I'm probably just gonna have to unlearn yeah no um well I've gone back like I've I've done quite a bit of therapy this year (laughs) and um I wouldn't say I've had the same experience as you because I do exist in this world with like light skin privilege and then my hair texture also is a privilege and all of that um but also because of my body shape and how early I developed, I started being sexualized at 12 and just like no knowledge of anything and just attention. So I'm like, oh, I'm getting attention. It must be like a good thing. Like I have vivid memories of visiting Jasmine at UF and her shouting my age to like men that are checking me out. Oh my God. You know? Like I've just, so I'm like so aware of when a man's eyes are on me, even now. I mean, it's just like, chill, it's fine. And I just like get like really tense. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, when I was a freshman, like seniors were hitting on me and it was like this thing and it like made me feel special and I felt cool. 
but like it was like this false sense of like power or whatever mm-hmm. or superiority but also I'm like really reserved like as my personality like, until you really get to know me mm-hmm. so it's just like they're they're putting all that on me like you know like I'm, yeah. I'm not out here like sticking my boobs out like yay look at me but they're putting that on me mm-hmm. um so I didn't realize I could say no to that like yeah and I didn't realize um like just when people were interested in me, I was like, okay, well, I have to like them as well. Mm-hmm. Like I, I just, I didn't understand my power. Yes. Yeah. And it just got me in situations that I think I was too young to be in, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, and that just stems from like the way I was parented and just even the school we go to and like, why is health class senior year? Mm-hmm. Like, I had friends that lost their virginity freshman year. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. why are we just addressing the abstinence conversation or seniors? I think it's changed now, but when I was there, it was more seniors. No, yeah. And it also, you're right. It was the abstinence conversation and then the baby project. Yeah. And it wasn't like, and then I remember, uh, I remember at Fleece at least, I think like in fifth grade, when we learned about puberty, we also just saw pictures of STDs, like just like full fledged, like herpes, like, and I'm like, do you, does, do our parents know that you're showing us genital herpes? Like this is, you probably, but so it was like that in fifth grade. And then yeah, senior year, it was like, okay, don't have sex until you're married. And, uh, here's a baby. And I didn't personally know if any of my friends were having sex because honestly, I was in a safe space. It was very judgmental. Um, uh, But yeah, I definitely know that people were in the back of bleachers doing whatever they were doing. And that was none of my business. Uh, And then just even, oh my gosh, just even like, so after that going to Oakwood, I'm an adult now. I should know better. I should know these things that weren't taught to me. Um, and so in that way, like I had a, I had a similar experience where seniors were looking at me and like, technically I'm a legal adult, but also if you're 22, 23, checking for someone who just turned 18, you're a weirdo. You're, you're a weirdo. I said it here first, Uh, (laughs) because it's just like, you know that I just came from the Adventist school and you know that I don't know any better. And so now you're preying on me and I don't yeah. know any better. I'm so naive that I just like, I don't know. So that was. No, that I, was had a, I had a really triggering experience at Liquid where someone I thought was a safe space wasn't. I'm not going to, you know, divulge. But um, there was a point where I was like, oh, I can't go back here anymore because I don't know if something like worse is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And it was like this person's mission to, as he said, quote unquote, take my virginity and just like, not, yeah. not you give it to him. He's going to no, take it. it was, and that distinction took a long time for me to like, for it to click, but something that I really value about myself, at least where I think it's honestly a God-given gift. My counselor tells me all the time, like, I will get these feelings and I'll just like trust it. Mm -hmm. And it was just after an experience with him, I was like, 
I am not safe in this space with you anymore, so I will not go back. And I couldn't explain it to anyone and like no one understood because what's, what's that big weekend between like Southern and Oakwood? Um, do you remember? I have, I don't, no, I have um, expelled all Adventist memories from my brain. No, as much so as I it's, not, it's not a big of a deal, but it's like, it's like we have church at um, one semester at Southern and another semester. At oh, I Oakwood. know what you're talking about. Yeah. 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 So it was at Oakwood and I was like, nah, I'm not going. And like, I couldn't explain why and like no one got it. And I just like, no, mm-hmm. I just couldn't go. Yeah. It just wouldn't be like a positive experience and just all of that, you know? And then, so I was talking to my friend the other day about this actually about how, um, I, I don't know where she stands. I don't want to like say definitively because I honestly like don't really remember, but I've made it a point to, I don't date Adventist men anymore. And I don't have Adventist friends that are men anymore because I also feel like uh, what we were talking about earlier about not having the conversation really does, uh, not me making excuses for men, but uh, it really does them a disservice in that like they come into like, they I don't know like they realize like oh I can have sex like I can do these things I can I can and because there's no proper um education on it they go a little bit crazy after being repressed for all those years because I remember leaving Oakwood moving to Atlanta I would party all the time I would party all the time with my friends from work and they weren't being creepy. And that's when I realized that the behavior that my friends at Oakwood exhibited was not normal behavior for men. They were like, no, I'm not trying to sleep with you. We're friends and we're hanging out. And I'm here to make sure as your male friend that you are safe in these spaces. What kind of friends have you been having? I'm like, Oh, <laughs> that's a whole, that's a whole thing to unpack. I don't even know where to start with that. No, um, I completely agree with you. I, in December, I realized I've only had one safe male friendship in my life. Yeah. One. And, and it was so sad when I hit that. And like, this is counting, um, like, partners you know like it was so sad like when that hit um because even the guy I was dating when I was 21 he wasn't unsafe sexually or anything like that but I wouldn't say it was an emotional safe space like I couldn't be seen he kept trying to like change me all of that vibes Mm -hmm. but one and I was like what is that (laughs) and also why did it take me so long to see that (laughs) I know typical it was the norm. yeah it was the, it was the norm um I also I don't know how much longer you have but I did want to you mentioned gender roles and I did want to dive into that a little bit um because I have been personally unpacking a lot of things about my own gender recently I wouldn't say that I'm non-binary but uh I have come to the realization that womanhood was not made for me. Womanhood in the way that it's supposed to look, femininity in the way that it's supposed to look was not made for me personally. Um, Are you coming at that from the perspective of the patriarchy though? 
because it's just like, what is it even? Yes, kind of. And that's what I mean. Like, so that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think I'm non-binary. I just don't really care for the the performance of gender. Um, But especially I don't care for. So my mom just got remarried. Congratulations. Uh, Not just also in February. It's almost been a year. Yeah. (laughs) I don't even. So she she got married and um I was just on the phone with her too um she's like really a wife out here for real and I'm like I do not identify with the trait and she loves it like I'm not I'm not trying to talk crap about my mom mommy I love you if you're listening um, <laughs> I'm not trying to like talk bad about her or anything like that but it's just the way that she um like operates in her marriage the way that she performs her wifely duties first of all this is the first time I'm ever seeing my mom be a wife because my parents were married but obviously that didn't work out um (laughs) for obvious reasons um and they also split before you had any like real memories mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so now seeing her like make a plate for her man or just like be like oh I'm gonna grow out my hair because my husband really likes long hair I'm like, girl, I cannot do this. And so the expectations of of the conservative wife, of the conservative woman, even the not so conservative wife and conservative woman that I saw displayed at like Forest Lake when I went to church there, I do not align with that lady at all. (laughs) Well, I think... um... I'm a split and I think I always have been. Mm-hmm. So I have a very vivid memory of my first boyfriend when I was 14 and I wanted to cut my hair. And he's like, don't cut it too short or I'll be pissed. So I cut it shorter than I even wanted to because I was like, the nerve. Like, <laughs> you could tell me that. <laughs> and then like so much of value was attached to my hair as a little girl. So that's like a whole other conversation. Like, don't, like I was literally trained that like other black girls would be jealous of my hair. So I couldn't let them play in it or they'd cut it and her like do something bad. I'm, I'm not joking. Like the women in my I believe life. You. And so there was like this attachment to it. And, and um, the first time I like chopped my hair into a straight bob, my dad didn't talk to me for like 24 hours other than saying you cut your beauty off. So like in those aspects, I don't align, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm just like, this is baloney. Mm-hmm. But then in other aspects, I've seen myself give so quickly in a partnership where like, I'm in college and I'm helping you do your laundry because you have to study or I'm help, And I'm just like, why? And it's like, I can't stop it. Like I literally like don't even realize I'm doing it, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's, um, I think there's this natural caregiver in me. Like I've always wanted to be a mom. Like I say, I want to be a mom more than a wife <laughs> type of vibe. So I like the ideas of it, but I also grew up in a very controlling household mm-hmm. and that side of it scares me where I'm like, I need autonomy. Yeah. So I think it's about like understanding that you have power to say, like for me, example, I don't like to cook. That should be very clear before you enter a partnership with me. I don't like to cook. But if you want your house sparkling, I got you. Like, I don't care. And it's not even about you. It's about me. Like, yeah. it just makes me feel better that mm-hmm. like the house is cleaner. And to me, that's not like a woman thing. 
or a man thing. It's just like me, like a Rebecca thing. Yeah. So, and it's also, I feel an adult thing to just know how to clean your house, know how to feed yourself, know how to do your laundry. Definitely not a woman thing. It is. But then I, I noticed coming up, like I'm on dating apps right now. And I noticed coming up that I struggle if like a dude doesn't make good enough money. And that's also me feeding into the patriarchy for like what's expected of a man to be a provider because I had a really great provider in my father. Like I never struggled. Like I didn't realize how privileged I was growing up until looking back at it. Um, So that's like an area where I'm like, okay, well, do I need to check this? Is it a preference or is it like, you know, I think you need to check that. (laughs) I think that that needs to stay where it is. No. And and it's like, and I talk to other women and they say that exactly. And, but that's where it gets confusing. Cause you're like, okay, well I'm fit, fighting against the patriarchy, like for women, mm. but then like how I feel about it on those pressures as a man. And I'm not saying I don't want to work and like all of that, like, you know, I will career, but those are the things that I battle. So I think for me, I'm still like trying to figure it out, but I did grow up with like the expectation that your man comes in to a gathering and like you serve him his plate or Misha and I talk about this all the time like you're meeting your significant other's partner as a woman when you walk in that house you can't even sit down you have to go straight to the kitchen and be like do you need any help aren't I a guest like why am I helping you in yeah. your kitchen I'm not doing a meeting you like aren't I a guest but it's that expectation and I don't know if I'm fully there no I can say that for five I'm not fully there to like reject all of that mm-hmm. because then you're like rejected by the family and all of those things so it's interesting so you've brought up certain aspects of womanhood that I don't really think about um when I made my very definitive statement I am a simp I'm definitely uh I'm definitely a giver but it's also because I don't really like that's not to me that's not like a woman trait I want someone who's gonna take care of me in the same way that I try to take care of them um expected of women and it's not expected of men yeah yes and that's what I was gonna say and I also think that um what you just mentioned about men being providers I think that everybody is really a provider in a relationship but uh women's contribution of emotional availability is not considered providing in the relationship because it's not tangible um and so to you saying like, oh, maybe I should date men with less money. First of all, no. But um, if he's emotionally available, then, you know, maybe like a hundred dollars less is fine. <laughs> no, no, it's like, I also know myself. Like I, I don't see myself par- choosing to partner with someone where I'm going to have a lifestyle that's lower than what I grew up. And that sounds crazy to say, but I also like know what I'm expecting. And I can also provide that lifestyle for myself. Mm -hmm, Like, mm -hmm. you know, know it's so crazy, Rebecca. Actually, I was watching this TikTok and um, I love TikTok. (laughs) I was watching this TikTok and uh, this woman was going around to other women asking them if they would date broke men. And the only people who were like, ah, maybe were black women. The only people who said maybe, like, I would think about it, maybe we could work on something together. Everybody else, the white women, the Asian women, the Latino women, they were like, no, what do we have to talk about? 
if he's not providing for me. And so I also think that that's something that's ingrained in us as black women, because well, black, that women made me usually, black women are usually the providers in the household, at least in my household. Like my, my mom was obviously like the provider, the one who did the day-to-day with me. And then if they aren't the sole provider in the household, black women are more educated um, statistically and it's just like a whole bunch of things where where we have to step up and be in charge and we see that even if not in our own homes in the homes of our friends and the homes of our family members so I think that that's something that uh <laughs> again no it definitely it, it plays into it because the the big part that you're talking about is educationally like mm-hmm. black women are just super educated you know like we have a lot of us have um at least a bachelor's degree mm-hmm. and then you're matching with men that don't so you're like all right well do I want a black man or do I want like a partner that has all these degrees and a lot of black women choose I want a black man yeah so and not that. to say nobody's hating on black men no um <laughs> not to say that there are not black men out here with degrees but it's just uh no, I mean, I grew up with the exception of the norm. Like my, my dad has multiple PhDs, you yeah. know? So I'm, I'm definitely not making like a huge, like broad stroke statement. Cause I know like it can be out there. It's just for me, like this internal battle, of, like the give and take in what I want. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I wanted to hit on one more thing career wise, which I thought was interesting. Okay. So growing up in the Adventist church and going to all these SDA schools, what careers did you think were afforded to you? Um, I didn't really think about it. It was always like, yeah, I'm going to go to college, but I'm going to go to Oakwood to find my husband. Interesting. (laughs) That's what was, so it didn't really matter what my career was because at the end of the day, I was going to be a mother and a wife interesting okay so when I think about it my mom's a little different um she's always wanted her daughters to at least have a bachelor's degree before they're a wife or a mother because of her own life experiences Mm -hmm. but when I think about going to SDA schools my whole life I knew women could be teachers doctors nurses and maybe a lawyer yeah that's it and I had no understanding that there were so many other careers. And I just feel like we do our kids such a disservice by trying to put them through this pipeline from whatever academy you go to, to then go to like Oakwood, Southern, Andrews, Walla Walla, whatever school, mm-hmm. and just have those options. Because when I look at the things I'm interested in now, it is still like I'm going to be 30 this year. And it's still so hard for me to say, like, I love storytelling. Like, I, there's a deep part of me, like, in my soul that, like, wants to be a filmmaker and a producer. Mm -hmm. But I'm, like, so scared of pushing outside of these, like, bounds that were kind of constructed around me. Mm -hmm. And then I didn't even figure out that I really love storytelling um, until I was, like, 24. And to me, when I look back, it was really apparent. Like I did Iona Follett, like loved that. Like yeah. the whole like, recording thing. Mm-hmm. I just 
I'll watch any documentary. Like my family makes fun of me. Like it could be about anything and I'll pretty much watch it like other than animals. <laughs> you know, and just, I feel like we're making people think they don't have God ordained gifts because yeah. they don't fit into the little boxes of like singing on praise and worship. Great with kids. So you have to teach like, oh, you're good at stories. Okay. Tell children's story or be a pastor. Mm-hmm. Like, you can if tell stories something other that, way. Yeah. If it's not something that can be utilized within the church, it's not God given. It's not God ordained. And to me, that's so problematic because I do feel like it's a gift I have, but I struggle with it because I don't understand how to use it, you know, mm-hmm. in those ways of where you just have to be fearless. Yeah. Deal. I think that's where I'm at right now, where uh, I'm like really interested in media. And the only thing that I ever saw growing up about uh, like being in media was just like operating the cameras at camp meeting or like being on the AV team. And I don't want to do any of that. I don't, don't even bring a soundboard to me. I don't want to figure it out. I don't, (laughs) I don't want to do it. Um, But yeah, forging your own path. And I think that by the time that I really kind of um, cemented what I wanted to do with my life, that I had already left the church. So that wasn't even a factor for me personally, but I can see how you're like, yeah, like, what do I, is this a God ordained gift? Like, do I trust it? But also when was the last time I saw you guys? Oh my gosh. Was that like before the pandemic or like in the middle of it? No, because we moved to this place, um, like during, so maybe a year or so ago, a year and some change. I feel like it was fall. I think I was there for Christmas. I feel like I saw you in um, 2020. Yeah, but like Christmas time, 2020. But I will say that you were talking about like filmmaking then and you're still talking about it now. So I just want to affirm you that it probably just is God ordained because if you're still like on it, if you can't stop thinking about it, if it's just like really ingrained in everything, then yeah. And just... I've started making baby steps, but no, it's it's hard because it's like culture and religion. It's a, I'm pushing up a, like against a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And I realized even being raised the denomination I was and the culture, like Black Caribbean or Afro-Caribbean, however you want to say it, um, I wasn't even allowed to pick my hobbies as a child. So I'm not super confident when to say that I like something because like, yeah. I wasn't never allowed to choose you know mm-hmm. so it's like I've been on this journey of just like learning even what I like so to then like confront this whole kind of I don't know organization or whatever because I'm even on a journey of like trying to figure out if I even identify as Adventists mm-hmm. anymore right I was actually going to ask you that so we're going to circle back to that <laughs> yeah no it, it's it's just on that journey you can ask yeah. Um, sorry, hold on. I don't know what's going on with the Wi-Fi. Um, do I still have Wi-Fi? Okay, yeah. Um, so where would you say you're at now spiritually? Um, spiritually, I would say I'm in a very dry place. So <laughs> I 
my counselor suggested I start going back to church because she was like community. Like I hadn't been to church since March, 2020. And this is a Christian counselor, like not some day Adventist, not anything like that. Mm-hmm. And um, she, like license, all that stuff. Like, I don't want to seem like I'm going to some hack or anything, <laughs> um, but it's just, uh, she'll bring Christianity into it. If that's something you want type mm-hmm. of vibe. Mm-hmm. So she was just suggesting that I go back. So I started going back to church in like September um, and Forest Lake Church, not Forest Lake, sorry, Florida Hospital Church, which mm-hmm. is now like whole life. So like super multicultural, whatever. The pastor has an evolved worldview. Like he talks about race issues and I've never heard a Caucasian pastor address those things in a way that I agreed with them Um, so he just has a really evolved worldview so I like I like that I'm going to church again but I wouldn't say that I am feeling like super connected spiritually right now Mm -hmm. and there's like a lot of judgment from my dad especially who just like thinks none of his kids are in church and (laughs) just swears we don't go like he just mentioned to my older sister that he wished all of us went to an Adventist school, um, university for four years because we'd be more grounded in the church. And I'm like, that has nothing to do with it. Um, So I'm on this, like I was on a date and the guy asked me, well, like, do you consider yourself still SDA? And I had to answer, honestly, I don't know. I don't see myself going to church on another day because that Mm. would just be too weird. would just be too weird like to me if I'm gonna go to church I'm gonna go to church on Saturday but like I have you know multiple piercings as you can see like I have like huge tattoos like you're saying like yeah that the idea of like what an Adventist is supposed to look like I don't feel like I look like that anymore and I'm not sure what I really believe on my own yeah. you know other than what was told so I'm trying to figure that out like that's what this year is supposed to be for me like I got this whole Bible study where you're supposed to like read the Bible in a year mm-hmm. and I'm like kind of seeing what I believe and yeah. not like what I was told because I do still believe in God I do f- still feel like God is important and I've seen him work in my life and I've seen to me like personal miracles happen mm-hmm. so I'm not at that place where I could let go of the idea of God or even like the Trinity. Cause I just feel like I've felt the spirit move before in that type of sense. And like, not even in church and praise and worship. I mean, like literally like in devotion time, mm-hmm. I just don't feel that right now. And I yeah. think it's because I'm not really sure what I believe versus what I was told. And then all those things we talked about earlier and how like I've evolved on stances that the church is very like publicly against you know and can I be a part of an organization that doesn't think like other people matter you know in yeah. those mm-hmm. so it's it's very confusing but I don't know if you, it feels like this for you when you were making that decision but doesn't seven day Adventist like feel like such a, like an identity like the way Jewish people talk yeah. like you know like where you could be Cause I know there are Jewish people who are like, I'm secularly Jewish. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'm like, you be like secularly <laughs> Like, you know? Yeah. But it's such like a weird, super specific culture. Mm-hmm. 
And but, especially when you're black, there's like another layer to that. Yeah, because black people are just on one anyway. Um, but it's so earlier, I did say that I don't think that I would date another Adventist man, but it's like, Adventism was my identity for so long to the point where I don't think that I could date someone who has never like did not grow up in the church whether or not you're still in it I can't date someone who didn't grow up in the church because it's it was such a big I mean all of my friends were Adventist I think that now still I have whether or not they identify as Adventist or not it's like their personal thing but even now the people that I talk to the most grew up Adventist like it's just such a I don't know if it's a shared bond or a shared trauma um but it's just that shared experience where like nobody else understands it yeah I think it's a shared experience because it can be negative and positive I don't think it's all either Mm -hmm. um because I talk about it like one of my really good friends I'm like well if my parents hadn't made the decision for me to go on forest lake like we wouldn't be in each other's lives and I've been close to this person for 15 years you know it's crazy and I just like value them so much Mm -hmm. so of course there's positives from that like from growing up in this community Mm -hmm. but I don't I don't know like almost everyone that I grew up with in central Florida just no longer identifies as being sub-Davinist mm-hmm. and I was like wow and to the point where they're like telling me now not just like living secularly and then going to church Saturday morning like nah like I just I don't see myself as that anymore mm-hmm. so I also was really like oh I really need to like figure out where I stand on this whole so I um I was actually wondering this uh because you said that you were going to what is it called now Florida Hospital Church Florida Hospital Church but they like renamed it because Florida Hospital doesn't exist anymore yes I've been health now Mm -hmm. so the church is whole life okay are there people your age there so (laughs) we go to like first service (laughs) me should I go to first service so we just started like going to like go to church. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually have this like film project happening this year. So that was like, okay, I'm going to get involved in that. And that's like one thing I can get involved in. So I have seen people my age and there are people, but most of the people my age have like families, like their parents, like mm-hmm. they have little kids. Um, I haven't seen a ton of people my age that are single. Mm-hmm. Unless you'll see like one guy, you know, come in by himself, like for church and then leave that mm-hmm. type of vibe. Like you'll see a, a couple men like that. Um, but no, I don't see a ton of people my age. And I think everyone's on this journey, especially yeah. the ones who did the whole like SDA K through 12 or even K through college mm-hmm. type of vibe. Mm-hmm. Cause that's my thing. I went to, um, I don't know though. I don't know if this church is the best example, but um, so my mom, my mom's married to a pastor. I told you that, right? Yeah. So she's married to a pastor. Um, and so I went to their church on Christmas because Christmas is on the Sabbath. And I think that's the only time you're going to see me in church is if Christmas is on the Sabbath again, um, <laughs> because it was like little, little kids like older people like 50 plus and then like me and my step siblings and that was it 
those were the only people who were, and I'm not even going to say that they were my age. They're older than you. So like, (laughs) it's not, I don't know. Like, I think that if I were to go back to church, would I really be finding community? Because are there people who understand what it's like to be 25, 26 right now in, in the middle of a pandemic in 2022? And then also like go to church. (laughs) Yeah. So I went to a church before the pandemic that was predominantly people my age. Mm -hmm. Um, But to me, they started losing their way. Like it was like the more people that came, the more they wanted to act like a a typical church. Mm -hmm. And like the reason you were attracting people is because they weren't like in those boxes. Mm -hmm. Um, But any church that to me is younger, to me, they act more like a non-denominational church than an Adventist church. Mm-hmm. And that's what works. I think it is because I don't think everyone our age is like, I don't believe in God. Now, some people do. And again, the right to their journey, but I don't think everyone's on that train. Mm-hmm. But I also think people are not going to go to church where their voice doesn't matter because the 80 year old elders are still running things and they're getting judged for the way they look or what they do or anything like that. Like, if you're not going to include me, like, why am I here? Yeah. And I think that's where people are kind of at. Yeah. I would definitely agree with that. Um, Okay. Well, I'm going to close this out because I'm starting to get a headache. I need to eat. Um, <laughs> is there anything else that you wanted to add um any anything else you wanted to mention no I think we hit it all I mean if you have any other questions for me no I really enjoyed this I mean I always enjoy talking to you so this was really fun I loved it too it was so funny the last time you came over um I was like gonna go into my room to give you and Misha some space and Misha's like hey Jordan came to hang with you too I was like oh okay <laughs> <laughs> I was trying not to be that annoying big sister. <laughs> it's so funny because you would do that all the time, and then Misha would be like, "No, we can all hang out. Like, come on." Can you now? Yeah, no, it's it's super chill. It's always chill vibes. I've actually so I think when I first moved here in like May. I like DM'd Misha and I was like, hey, I live in Florida now, so I'm probably going to try to come see you guys. And I know that I still haven't done that. But every time I go to Orlando, I'm like, I need to see Misha and Rebecca. So I'm going to make a plan to do that. Um, I mean, are we the only people you still talk to that are like here? here? Yes. Um, (laughs) That's super interesting to me. And that's like an off-camera question. Mm -hmm. But But yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's y'all in my family. Um, so do you want to like shout out your socials or anything, or do you have anything that you want to talk about, promote? Um, no, nothing to promote. I mean, if people want to follow me, it's Rose Beck, um, on Instagram and that's it. Okay. It's, it's B-E-K, not B-E-C. B-E-K. Get the spelling right. Biblical spelling of Rebecca. (laughs) (laughs) Again. Told y'all, super Christian family. I'm done. (laughs)
All right. Well, thank you, Rebecca, for coming on the podcast. And I will see you guys in the next one. Bye.